Hi, in this episode of IB Matters, we talk to Kurt Carlson, president of the MNIB board and a very active member of the IB Middle Years Program Trainer Group called the IB Educator Network. We will focus on the MYP assessment framework used in all MYP schools. As you'll hear, we think of assessment for learning rather than assessment of learning. Welcome to IB Matters, a podcast for those who currently teach, lead, attend, or are interested in international baccalaureate IB schools. Hi, this is John Peterson with the Minnesota IB Schools, and this is the IB Matters podcast. Today we're here with Kurt Carlson, who is a currently a design teacher in the MYP. He's also an IBN, IB Educator Network uh, session leader. And today he's going to talk to us about something quite important in the MYP, the Middle Years Program, and that is how assessment occurs. And in fact, it's one of the ways uh, IB uh, separates itself, and the MYP in particular separates itself from most or I should say, what most schools are doing currently for assessment. Um, Hi, Kurt. Hi. Go ahead and let's just jump right in. We're not going to get too deep into the weeds, but we'll go a little ways into that, into that, into the weeds to, to talk about assessment because it's a, it's an important aspect of what MYP does. And I think listeners will want to know, well, if I'm going to become an MYP school or if my student's going to attend an MYP school, what's that look like? How is that different from grading and the kinds of things we're used to seeing in schools? Absolutely. Um, I think one of the, one of the things to keep in mind is uh, the connections between the written curriculum the taught curriculum, and then what we're going to be talking about mainly is the assessed curriculum. But you cannot disconnect uh, any one of those three without impacting one of them. So I would say, you know, when it comes to what an MYP school uh, would look like as far as being different from a traditional middle school, really is the focus on the written curriculum and as teachers are planning the written curriculum in the MYP unit planner, really the, the focus on uh, in, incorporating inquiry as well as a student-centered model mm-hmm. uh, is really a, the, the driving force that I feel is a primary difference. Hang, hang now, on just a second. Before yeah, we go ahead. any further, let me just also interject here that the MYP itself, and, and in our podcast with Angela Wilcox introducing the MYP, we talked about the fact that it is not a handed-over curriculum. In fact, it's a framework. Uh, schools still use their own standards in terms of like state standards, local standards, as far as the curriculum itself. It's more about how it's taught differently in the MYP, and here we're talking about how it's assessed. So uh, thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, as you know, so another component to the middle years uh, planner is that of the use of concepts and another component called global context. So when teachers start to get comfortable with the unit planning process, one of the the most natural next steps then is to kind of analyze the assessments that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's probably going to be the same or similar content uh, based on whatever standards they're required to teach. Um, but the the difference in the assessment design will probably be pretty dramatic in the sense that you're not going to just take your uh, 35 or 40 question, multiple choice questions yep. uh, and say, I'm going to assess my MYP criteria 
in that manner. Mm -hmm. So assessment design is really as much of a part of this conversation as anything, uh, because how you set the assessment task up uh, is really going to need to be aligned then with the different criteria for each subject area. Um, In design, for example, we have, as kind of the first step of the design cycle, being inquiring and analyzing, uh, where students would investigate a problem that's either given to them or they uh, choose a problem that may be happening in their community. Uh, They develop some ideas as far as how to um, build a a solution to the problem. Uh, The the third criterion, uh, criterion C, is creating the solution. And then finally, we evaluate the whole process. So that's just one example of one subject area of how students work through the four different criteria. Every subject area has their own four, uh, and we work on an eight-point scale. Mm -hmm. Uh, The unique thing about the eight-point scale is that there's two numbers, for example, a seven and an eight, that represent the highest level of quality. Uh, So there's really four levels of quality with two whole numbers uh, representing each um, different level. So So teachers have some discretion. So the basic level is one and two, and that's called, what is that called, the basic level? Uh, Well... I, I would just say it's uh, lower on the scale of w- what level a student has achieved gotcha. to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I refer to them as achievement levels. All right. um, and the other thing that's a little bit different than uh, traditional assessment practices are, I know when I started teaching science 20 years ago, I would mark how many wrong a student would get and say, oh, you got a 15 out of 20. Mm-hmm. And then that equals a certain seventy five percent. So it sounds like a C to me, right. Kurt. What's, what's different? What's different about MYP? Right. Uh, there's a lot different. Uh, number one, with the the rubrics, I I would consider it a kind of a building up model than a subtractive model. All right. So the fifteen out of twenty, I told you how many you got right. You know, so you got five wrong uh, in the IB rubrics. I look at the the students' work. I first start at the one, two level. If I read the descriptor and they've accomplished that, uh, then I look at the next level. So I look at it as kind of building up to what level the student has gotten to versus telling you what things you got wrong and Mm -hmm. taking away from an eight and say, oh, you got, you ended up with a five. Yeah. So if if the, if the listener can imagine essentially eight level or four levels of descriptors, and and in each level of descriptor, if they have if they've done the things in the first level of descriptors, they you move on to the next level, and so on. Correct. Right. Correct. Yep. Uh, so how this plays out in assessment design, then uh, at least in my design classes, uh, design classes are required at least once throughout uh, the design course uh, for a student to be assessed on all four criteria at once. Um, but most of our units are not that sophisticated in the sense of having to assess all four criteria. Mm -hmm. Typically, um, we assess one or two. Uh, It's much more manageable, and I would certainly recommend uh, doing that as you started. Well, I think Um, in training, they always, you know, if you go to an IB training for a subject area, they'll generally (laughs) require or recommend strongly that you just start with one, maybe two, because it's difficult to find a robust enough assessment that would even challenge 
you know, to check on each. Absolutely. And, you know, you can certainly start as a starting point with maybe a previous assessment that you had. Like in my example, I used to be a science teacher. Uh, If I was teaching MYP science and, you know, I had a content test that, you know, highlights the the main things that I need students to know at the end of that unit, Mm -hmm. that may be a good place to start, but the likelihood of the need for it to be changed is pretty high. Very high. Very high. Almost assumed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I wouldn't just say throw out all past tests because it's a good good collection point of what content you want students to know. The biggest thing teachers will probably need to figure out is how to organize the assessment task, or maybe it's a completely different assessment task that they have students doing Mm -hmm. that is going to demonstrate what they know. So in design, we do a lot of product. Uh, Eighth grade is considered a product design class, so we make lots of things. So there's lots of Didn't you tell me they're making granola bars? Yeah, right now we're uh, we're designing an allergen-free granola bar, but we've done sustainable energy with wind turbines, uh, prosthetics. The students have made prosthetic hands out of cardboard. Um, so our eighth grade design really focuses on the product design, whereas our seventh grade design focuses more on digital design and okay. products uh, using digital devices and computers. Uh, so back to the assessment, though. Um, one of the main things that uh, we've discovered as we went all IB assessment this year with design uh, at Hopkins North is um, this the shift in students' perceptions about what their feedback means. I think uh, in many areas of the world, and especially in the United States, grading has gotten way out of control in the sense of everything from an overinflation of grades um, to grades really not being a symbol of what students actually know right it's clear clearly it 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 can't be because i think the traditional way and the way i um you know did in most of my career honestly is the the assignment of points and when i say like you just did the math a little bit ago well you got five wrong that's 75 percent of what what? (laughs) nobody really knows it just means you're just only three quarters of a whole yeah absolutely and we don't even know what the whole right is made of absolutely Uh, So when you look at MYP assessment practices, for example, uh, and each subject area having four different criteria, really what you're telling the student and parents and guardians is four times the amount of information about their child's levels of learning Mm -hmm. than a traditional system of just points and you get a percentage and the percentage generates a letter symbol. Um, You don't really know. Uh, when I think of my own middle school students' uh, experiences, my own children, you know, I can see that, yep, she got an A or a B. Well, if they got a B, I really don't know what she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you look at the MYP criteria, I could see specific scores in each individual area, and maybe it's evaluating her work that she's not really doing that well in. Mm-hmm. It's a much... Uh, more efficient way to focus on learning right. than just gathering points uh, to get a number, thus getting a letter symbol. Sure. So going back to science, because I was also a science teacher, one of the criteria is about assessment or uh, an analysis of information and data, and you know it would include for most of us to think about graphing and that type of data analysis. 
you know, if if in that criteria a person has a four, there are little descriptors specifically of what a four means in their understanding and, and execution of data analysis. So you can say, well, here's where they are in data analysis, and here's where they need to be. You can see right away by looking at the next descriptor up that that's what they didn't do. And that's kind of like, oh, that's where they're at. It's like rungs of a ladder. Yep. You can see right now they're on rung number six, and to get to rung number seven or eight, these are sp- specifically the things they need to do. So like you said, for parents, it's just a ton more information. Absolutely. Now, with that said, um, it's a significant uh, change to any school system when you start to talk about changing the entire assessment method uh, because most parents haven't gone through MYP assessment no. uh, practices themselves. Uh, most parents have experienced traditional grading systems of points and percents and, mm-hmm. you know, ABC letter symbols. Uh, they know that. And they know when they get to high school, it generates a four-point GPA number. Mm-hmm. And they're really concerned, especially when you start talking about ninth and 10th grade MYP students, right. about right. their uh, student not having a GPA because school uh, colleges and universities need to know that number so their child can get accepted. Mm-hmm. So there's a very large effort uh, constantly going on to ensure that parents understand that colleges and universities do know what not only MYP scores mean, but as well as DP, diploma program scores, right. uh, from their assessments. Those those colleges and universities accept those scores just like they would accept uh, AP tests for college mm-hmm. credit uh, are very savvy and very well versed and knowledgeable about what these scoring methods are in IB, uh, and they're actually quite standardized when you get to the diploma level. Um, so they're they're looked at as a very valid representation of what students know. Right. Right. So, yeah, that is one of the, the fears is, like you said, as the students get to ninth and 10th and, and quote unquote grades count, people do worry about that. Now, I know a lot of schools transition into the assessment and the reporting of these assessments in different ways. Can you talk about like maybe what you've experienced? Certainly. Um, I would say in the last 10 to 15 years, many schools have uh, adopted uh, online versions of their grade books. Uh, it's become quite normal for most school systems to have access to their their grade books online. Um, That can be a good thing, and it can be a 50-foot wall for some schools as they think about the requirements when it comes to recording and reporting MYP uh, scores as is required in the program. Um, There are many ways to uh, record and report uh, MYP scores. Sometimes a school may not have the autonomy to uh, right. just say, well, we are not going to give letter symbols anymore. Maybe they're in a larger school system right. that where, says... Where I was, that wasn't possible. Absolutely. Right. They right. said, no, you will continue to assign letter symbols. However, that doesn't mean that schools in that situation don't need to record and report NYP scores. So everything from doing it electronically to different... Um, paper versions, sending home rubrics. Uh, There's a number of ways to do it. And, you know, as being an IBAN member, it's one of those experiences that the more you see how other MYP schools um, do that requirement, uh, it it brings back to my school the conversation of what we can do here, what's able to be manipulated within our um, online system. 
Some online systems are flexible. Some are mm-hmm. not very flexible. It just depends on right. the programming. So uh, there really needs to be a pretty thorough analysis by each individual school uh, in relation to what its current practices are, what are any possibilities for change, what are some new ideas, what's doable, what's a timeline that is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Because like I said uh, at the beginning, uh, all of this assessment conversation must be tied to the written curriculum. Mm-hmm. So to start an MYP with assessment changes first would be a big mistake. Mm-hmm. It needs to be uh, something that that comes later uh, down the line of implementing MYP into a school because you just need to allow time for that written curriculum and the MYP framework to be developed and thoroughly, um, uh, you know, kind of, made by the teachers and the, right. the rubrics that go along with that well, work. Yeah, let's let's yeah that that transition i'm glad you bring that point because i don't think i've heard it you know spoken uh exactly the way you just phrased it um so having that practice time with the curriculum with the actual written curriculum uh one of the things that i experienced in the transition in my school becoming myp was this idea that you know well how do i assess it is you know you and i are both science teachers and we might be in the room next door to each other and and if we don't have the same standard and we don't have the same way of looking at the work that's done so we i know in my school we sit down at uh, uh professional learning communities and plcs and actually did something they call inter-rater reliability, where we took, you know, blind assessments, so we just put, you know, student work in front of us and just kind of passed them down the row and blindly each scored it individually. And then we'd look later and say, well, I called that a four and you called it a five. What did you see that I didn't see and vice versa? And, you know, occasionally you'd have a really (laughs) strange conversation when someone thought one was a two and a five. And so then you're well, then we do- totally are using the different mindsets. So you need to have that going on in your yeah, building. And absolutely. so as you develop your assessment uh, practices, um, that's part of it. And that obviously, if you're listening to this, what I just said, it is a great way to improve the quality of your school um, instruction and assessment altogether because you now have teachers talking to each other. Yeah, and I would say uh, that's actually one of the, the standards uh, of right. practice in MYP is uh, the required uh, collaborative time, because one of the complex things about MYP is there's a number of things that teachers need to be talking with each other about. Uh, and assessment of student work is is certainly one of those uh, to standardize where teachers are viewing the different levels of quality of the student work. So uh, that's absolutely something that should be going on as well. Um, once you know, once the um, written curriculum is established. The assessment tasks are designed to be aligned to the different criteria and the objectives uh, within a subject area. Then certainly when you start getting some tangible student work, uh, because the assessment practices are what I would call holistic, uh, we're not just subtracting an amount wrong and you end up with a number. Mm-hmm. There's not much cross-checking that teachers right. would need to do when that's the assessment practice. But when you're looking at holistic descriptors that say, some or few or often, we need to be on the same page as two teachers teaching the same subject area that qualitatively we understand what some means uh, versus a few. Right. So um, I don't want to leave this discussion until we kind of hear how this affects students. What what is the student who's receiving this kind of assessment? How has it changed their perception of the work they're doing and their 
uh, ability to know what to do next or where they stand. Yeah. So my firsthand experience on this has come this year uh, as I've transitioned from being a coordinator from for the past nine years to teaching design to eighth and ninth graders. Um, design in my school is kind of leading our buildings change when it comes to recording and reporting uh, MYP assessment scores. And I, I will say that students have undoubtedly been conditioned by teachers and parents to have a an idea of what a letter symbol means. Um, when those letter symbols are not what students get as feedback to the quality of their work, really we're in the process of reconditioning students' understanding of how they get feedback. The good news is students respond much quicker to this type of change than uh, many of the adults, the adults uh, right, right. in yeah. buildings or parents do. So it's kind of true in all of life. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is the the students catch on to it really quickly. Uh, that do, that does not mean that all students totally understand right. it and don't ask questions. Uh, it's certainly one of those things. As a teacher, I need to be very purposeful in my conversations with students about assessment, what it means, uh, what it doesn't mean, and how it's intended to give them feedback for their continued improvement. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if, for example, when I give students back a rubric, let's say I give a student uh, a six on criteria B, um, my feedback will not be about what they did wrong. It will be what they need to do to get to the next achievement level. Again, back to that building up model versus here's what you did wrong, and that's just where it kind of ends up. If you give students feedback on what they need to do to improve, that's useful information. To use the ladder metaphor I used earlier, you know, here's the ladder, here's the rung you're on, and look what's written on the next rung. Absolutely. (laughs) Here you go. All right. Well, um, that's I think what we're going to we're going to stop it for today. There are lots of lots more things. In fact, for those of you that are listening that are, are teachers and would like to know kind of how you do the assessment, the nuts and bolts, uh, getting into the weeds, as we say, we'll definitely do another podcast related to that. But I wanted to make sure we had a chance to see an overview. And, and I'm just going to be a little cheeky here. I think uh, listening to this conversation, you need to post this on your own school's website <laughs> because your explanation for your specific school, Hopkins North, would be a great way for your parents to learn about how assessment works. Thank you, So um, thanks a lot for your time, Kurt. My pleasure. You can learn much more about MYP assessment and other aspects of the MYP and the IB pre-K to 12 continuum of education using links in our podcast notes, as well as on the IB website at ibo.org. Please find all our episodes wherever you get your podcasts and click subscribe so you don't miss any future programs. Also, help us spread the word about IB by liking and sharing the IB Matters links in your own feeds and social networks. In very little time, we have already been heard in over 30 countries, a testament to the global reach of the IB.